Hello, hello. Hi. I'm Chris. And I'm Alice. <laughs> <laughs> and we're already laughing. But we don't even have to try. Yep. Um, and welcome to Xena Made Me Gay. In the times of brick phones, Tamagotchis, and curtain bangs, the 90s kids cried out for a badass. She was Xena, the warrior princess. The kicks, the moves, the nostalgia, the queerness. Xena made us gay. Okay, well, this is starting great. <laughs> uh, bodes well. <laughs> yeah, today we're going to be talking about a season one, episode 15, called Warrior, dot, 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 princess. But before we get to that, I wanted to talk mm -hmm. about uh, the best season of the year. The season where... Almost every time when things are announced, we're disappointed because we feel that people have been overlooked or snubbed or anything. At least this year it has been like that. Oh, interesting. I mean, yeah, I, I think I think there is an interesting debate there. Uh, and you are welcome to listen to this debate on probably 500 different podcasts oh definitely yeah yeah but but not not this one i i did want to bring it up though because obviously xena was on on air for quite a few years and had a lot of opportunities to amass a certain number of awards and yeah i wanted to to look at its track record mm -hmm. and see how how it did so spoiler alert <laughs> It didn't do great. Uh, the awards section for Xena Warrior Princess on Wikipedia is quite short, mm. despite the fact that it, it ran for a few years. And I wanted to ask you whether you can try to guess what aspect of the show was the one that earned almost the entirety of the awards. Oh, wow, uh, what aspect? Yeah. Because... Yes. Because you, you're... Yeah. Uh... I'm, I'm not going to give you more clues than that. I think that's okay. That's okay. I mean, before um, when I was thinking about that question, I thought that like in the best case scenario, they would reward Lucy Lawless. In the worst case scenario, they would reward Robert Tuppert, who is the creator of the show. But when you say aspect, why is that worst? Much respect for the dude. That's very cool, but it just seems that. Um, if we're just gonna reward one person, I would say that that should be Lucy Lawless, or like, okay, okay. in the best case scenario, it should be two people. But when you say aspect of special effects, no, no. Although um, I feel like, like we're we're gonna get into that after after I I reveal uh, <laughs> who it was. Um, but yeah, I, I did I did want to talk about like if it were up to us who would we give the the awards to and, and definitely the special effects especially i don't know there's no uh 
separate category for that, but like low budget special effects. Yeah, you know? like doing, doing a lot with very little. With nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think I think that's something that Xena Warrior Princess as a show was not always successful uh, at. If we remember the the harpy the Hercules, <laughs> the harpy, which was horrendous yeah <laughs> but aside from the harpy i feel like there are a lot of instances where clearly the budget was ten dollars and they were like <laughs> well we gotta put those ten dollars to the best use we possibly can and they and yeah. they really did a lot of the time but no that is that is not that is not the case it wasn't the the special effects do you have a second guess or should i reveal the answer uh, <sighs> It's possibly not what you. I, I think it's it's something that's hard to think of on the spot. But once you hear the answer, you're gonna be like, "Oh, that kind of makes sense." My second guess, which is I, I, I'm sure it's not correct, but would be costuming. No, no. Okay. Um, I, I, I give think, up then. Yeah, yeah. I think the costuming is. Yeah, they do an okay job sometimes, and uh, they're less successful at other times. Which, you know, like not to not to hate on on Zena's costuming, but I just not quite award worthy. Mm. The answer is the music. Makes sense. <laughs> that's that's what I told you. Yeah, like it's hard to think of it off the top of your head, but when you hear like the most like almost every single um nomination and win that that uh the show has has garnered has been for the same person joseph loduca um yeah who was the um, the composer the score composer Zina does have great music R right yeah yeah and and uh it's it's really cool that it got recognized so mm -hmm. Joseph Leduca won um, pretty much everything that, that Xena <laughs> Warrior Princess has ever won uh, went to him. At one point in 97, um, Lucy Lawless was nominated um, for a Saturn Award as a Best Genre TV Actress, but did not win it. Mm. And... Um, in 98, um, the costume designer was nominated for uh, a New Zealand Film and TV Award and, and won, actually, that year. Oh, that's good. And 98, is it season four? No. Two, I think. Season two? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I remember costumes being better in later seasons yeah yeah and um at least if we're if we are to believe wikipedia um which <laughs> mm. this, is, this is what we're doing so hey um <laughs> it's it's all joseph leduca so good job him good for him no i mean as you said when you hear it you're like yeah totally checks out totally makes sense Zina mm -hmm. has great music and not even like i wouldn't it's a cool thing because I wouldn't say that, oh, Xena has great music for its time, like good, exactly. great costumes for its time. It yep. has and budget. great music, period, right? Exactly, exactly, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but as I said, uh, we can <laughs> create our little fantasy world 
please and and give away some more awards <laughs> who would we give those awards to okay okay um the first thing that comes to mind are actress and supporting role actor and supporting roles but i'm going to mm. hold off on those for now and i'll i'm trying to think who else of like in terms of production team oh yeah i know oh i think that casting director definitely deserves an award oh interesting yeah i think xena throughout is great casting as we said mm. like a lot of race blind casting yeah and that's awesome and that's really ahead of its time and like just generally like i think that most of the time when we see people were like, yeah, that makes sense. Like even the fax <laughs> machine face guy, or however we called him. Like fax machine that, face guy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> even that guy, like it's, um, it's funny. And he's kind of rightfully so in that place. So yeah, yeah. I think, I think casting Zena deserves to be awarded. For sure. Yeah. What I thought of, and I think that's generally a underappreciated and underawarded uh, kind of, of work in, in film and TV, but I think the, the stunt coordination and mm -hmm. stunt performers in Xena mm -hmm. do an incredible job. And so many people get lit on fire, like even in the episode that we're about to discuss. I know, just like <laughs> casually. And uh, so obviously there's there's that, but every episode there are these incredible fights with, you know, clearly quite intricate like wire work and um, different kind of fight acrobatics uh, yeah. and all of that. And clearly a lot of a lot of thought, a lot of work uh, is is put into that and yeah, I, I wish people who do that kind of work would get more recognition generally uh, in in a world. Like, I'm, I'm stunned that there's still no, like, major award for that. No, nothing at the Oscars, nothing at the um, Globes, uh, as far as I'm aware. Anyways, so, yeah. So, generally, uh, it should be more recognized but also specifically for Xena I think this would be like a no-brainer for me mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no definitely yes I agree with that um now coming back to actors and actresses in supporting role because I think that I wouldn't even like cast I don't know Xena is the actress in the main role and Gabrielle an actress in supporting role that that's that doesn't make sense like they're both definitely main characters so I'm just leaving mm. both of them out of it for now okay um again I I, I talk about him a lot but I think that Atalik is definitely <laughs> Bruce Campbell definitely deserves to be awarded in yeah. supporting role um he's great and I've been rewatching like on a whim I've been rewatching like bits of episodes with him and he does those little tiny micro things that I think it's like mm. a, a sign of a great actor of like those little tiny comedic reactions that that are really great yeah 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 for sure 
would you give anything to Carl Urban? I have an award for Carl Urban, and you know, like how <laughs> I'm sure you do. Give, I'm they sure you give do. that to to older actors, but like the body of work. <laughs> oh, lifetime achievement! <laughs> right? Ooh, because, because like if you think about it, he played an random evil dude in season one he played caesar throughout series in both hercules and xena mostly in xena he played cupid that we forget a lot yes no we don't oh trust me we do not forget cupid a very specific role <laughs> with that those little tiny wings on a grown man <laughs> <laughs> And like he's great in all of those roles, so I think yeah, lifetime achievement, Carl Urban. Okay. But wait, you said he plays a random villain in season one. Is that coming yes. up? Yes, yes, it's coming up. Yes. Oh, I totally forgot that. <laughs> cool, cool. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a, that's a reasonable reasonable <laughs> decision. What are some of yours? Um. I actually didn't think of anything. Maybe a few scripts could have could have mm. won, like mm -hmm. for best comedy, because there are really mm. really funny Xena episodes. Um, That's true. And I think in this particular case, it would have to be like a separate category, like best genre writing or best comedy writing. Mm -hmm. But I I think it would be fair to give out um, at least a couple. Uh, do you remember a specific? episodes that you would you would award um maybe the one with uh, the dancing gabrielles oh <laughs> yeah it's a great one something about a scroll in the, in the title it was like the scroll something something yeah the premise yeah. is that that um aphrodite makes gabrielle's scroll magic in terms of like whatever gabrielle writes it comes true and gabrielle writes in metaphors a lot yeah <laughs> cool so mm -hmm. let's let's start discussing the episode yes with this uh, intriguing title <laughs> yeah first we see the warrior so we see xena riding argo through the gorgeous fields of new zealand um i mean ancient greece and she rides towards a beautiful castle that looks 100 percent medieval <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think as soon as we're dealing with a king of some sort, they yeah. just default to medieval times. <laughs> I don't know why, but they just—I think they—they they can't. They can't imagine a king who's not medieval. Yeah. So like, yeah. Oh yeah, it's—it's it's a king episode. Medieval times. Let's let's jump in time a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So she faces two guards at the gate of the castle, and she begins to say, "I'm here to see the king," and it's clear that Zena is ready to explain why she's here and maybe she's even ready for a fight because usually the guards do not take kindly to those who are here to see the king but as soon as the guards see her they kneel before her and open the gates okay um confused by this royal treatment Zeno walks through the castle and then at some point a very concerned lady in waiting uh, tries to cover up Zena's costume as she calls it uh, so she puts a shawl on Zena's shoulders and Zina is like, oh, okay, all right. It's very strange to Zina what's going on, but she kind of goes with it, and it's kind of amusing for her also. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that the 
the lady in waiting calls Sina's outfit a costume because <laughs> I actually kept staring at the lady's uh, outfit the whole time yeah. because she's wearing this super trendy Y2K top. Um, it has this like, it's, it's a crop top with a cutout on her chest. Yeah, she's very bare, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so. I was I was literally shopping for tops like this on <laughs> ASOS recently. <laughs> I was like, I need I need a little like slutty chest cutouts <laughs> moment. And she's living the dream. Zena is always good for inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> mm, so Zena asks to see the king again, and the lady tells Zena that the king is in his bedroom, but. She's sure he wouldn't mind if Zina visited him there. And Zina is like, I don't think so. So she asks the lady to bring the king to her. And it even seems that Zina is starting to think that she was invited here for bedroom reasons, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and as soon as the lady leaves, Zina kind of shrugs off the shawl that uh, was put on her. And it's this like very recognizable gesture that I think many mask of center people have uh, experienced. You know, you like you shrug off your girl drag as soon as your family members aren't around. At least that's what it made me think of immediately. Well, yeah, that's that's definitely fair. As soon as the lady leaves to fetch the king, we see this dirty looking dude hiding behind a giant vase. Vase. So on every vase on every vase <laughs> yeah <laughs> so Zena pours herself a glass of water from a jug on a table and pretends not to notice the dirty dude until he tries to attack her with a knife from her back and Zena does the fire breathing trick so it appears that it was not water she was drinking after all. Uh, and there was some hard alcohol casually in a jug on a table. The life of the royals. Yeah. So that made me think of this widespread belief um, that for a while in the Middle Ages, beer and wine were actually more common to drink mm -hmm. than, than mm -hmm. water because it was just so hard to find clean water. I, I fact-checked yeah. that. I was like, oh, is, is this why? And then I was like, but wait, is that even true? So I fact checked that, and it appears that so no, <laughs> that is that isn't true. Um, it it is true that for a while beer was very common to drink because it was considered to be nutritious. Hmm. Um, okay. So so people drank it more like as a snack than mm -hmm. uh, just something to quench your thirst. All that being said, um, I. I would assume that fire breathing requires something much stronger than yeah. beer or wine. So I guess we'll just chalk it up to another of Zena's special skills. Oh yeah, she has many. Um, so Zena tries to chase the dirty dude after lighting him on fire. She wants to question him, but he like kind of backs down and falls out of the window and apparently runs away while still being on fire. At this point, the king enters the picture and says that Zena is a formidable young woman. And Zena calmly asks him, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, well, not only does he say that, he also clearly like looks at her. And as soon as he, he gets a good look at her, he's taken aback 
by something mm -hmm. and he he's speechless for a moment Zina even looks around and is like uh is there someone else in this room like why are you looking at me like i have three noses or something <laughs> yeah yeah and the king says that he needs Zina to save someone's life and Zina is like nah i don't work for the rich i eat the rich and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And the king is like, we really need you. The dirty dude wanted to kill my little girl. And then the little girl walks in. And it's a pretty girly princess who looks exactly like Xena. And is played by Lucy Lawless. Yeah. And she says something like, hi, or like, hello, daddy. <laughs> and she has this Paris Hilton voice, you know? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> it, it's clearly not a little girl it's a grown-ass woman who just acts very childlike yeah i think i think by the end of the episode you get a bit accustomed to that but at first it's quite jarring yeah especially from this actress because we're used to seeing her as xena and i guess that's that's where the shock factor comes from and i i think mm -hmm. that it was a deliberate choice from like the episode director and from lucy lawless to play as far away from Xena's character as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. So, yeah, there's a whole theme of Xena's doppelgangers in the show. Like, if you watch oh, yeah. the show, you know. Um, it's not the last Xena's twin that we're gonna see. And, mm -hmm. spoiler alert, it's never explained why are there multiple women who look exactly like Xena. It's not like Xena, she has such a typical look. She's a tall warrior woman yeah she so lucy wallace is one meter 77 which is indeed quite tall or 510 for for our american listeners yeah so i don't know my theory is just that the writers wanted lucy wallace to play multiple roles i mean it's a fun challenge for an actor but still the lack of explanation kills me to this day yeah that's interesting because i think this is kind of the result of me having watched the series as a tiny tiny human <laughs> because i i now that you said that I, I realized that i never really gave that much thought um <laughs> and i completely accepted which is strange for you because usually you're like this is weird let's get to the bottom of it <laughs> yeah i think yeah be because because I remember that very well from watching the show for the first time, I just accepted it back then as, you know, this little quirk of the Xena universe. <laughs> and I think even now, I know that logically this needs an explanation, but for some reason it's just super easy for me to accept that Xena has multiple doppelgangers. That's, that's just how it, how it is, you know? And it's just your reality. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I should. I don't know why. It too, because we're not getting an explanation. Like. Till, oh no! No no. Till the <laughs> end of the show, and one of Zena's twins. Spoiler alert! Appears in season six, and we still don't get an explanation. So. But anyway, we find out that Zena's doppelganger is Princess Diana, the heir to this kingdom. Yeah, I love when we get these little glimpses into the <laughs> yeah. broader context in which the series was made. I mean, Princess Diana, mm -hmm. where else might we have heard that? <laughs> <laughs> so the episode came out in 96, uh, which is 
basically the beginning of the peak of the Princess Diana craze. Right. Haven't thought of it like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember how much we we get to see the the Xena Princess Diana later on. I, I don't remember like whether she reappears, how much she. Reappears. I don't think she. I don't think she does. I think that. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the other twin. Spoiler alert, Meg. There is going to be another one who is like more of a common folk. Let's say she appears yeah. a lot, and okay. we don't see Diana anymore. Okay, okay. Because I was I was wondering whether the real Princess Diana's death would have, you know, any mm. any effect that you could detect in the series as well. Yeah, um, but also maybe that's why she she does not appear anymore. To oh, kind of like... that's true. That's true. Uh, not make a show out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. Mm -hmm. Um, and actually, so the when when I heard Princess Diana in, in this episode, I was like, well, yeah, Diana Spencer, obviously. But actually, the wiki <laughs> page for this episode mentions yet another Princess Diana, the Wonder Woman. Right. Yeah. Wh who is closer to Xena in in terms of like who she is? Right. But less close to. Princess Diana from the Xena universe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of Dianas. Yep. <laughs> who are uh, also princesses. Who are also princesses. But anyway, this particular princess, she also is stunned by their resemblance. And she says, it's like looking in a mirror uh, before I brushed my hair. <laughs> so this princess is sassy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we were talking earlier about the, the special effects. And I feel like here the show creators get a little bit more daring mm -hmm. with the green screen stuff because we had an evil Xena in one of the earlier episodes, mm -hmm. but there it was all body doubles and, you know, identical wigs and clever camera placement. But here we clearly see two Lucy Lawless's uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the same screen walking around each other. It looks very solid. Mm -hmm. And again, I think these are the skills that local film and tv crews would later apply when working on the lord of the rings like here they were experimenting and perfecting them and then you know it was um put to great use on a bigger budget definitely yeah yeah and you can see like we're only on the first season but you can see the tremendous improvement from like season from episode one to like what we see now and it's like also like i think it's just like the middle of the first season so it's just going to get better but also they have good days and they have bad days uh that is also true um but anyway the king sends diana away she's not happy about that and he explains that he heard about the remarkable resemblance of these two from his cousin sisyphus at least i like that it's explained here that like how he knows that those two look very much alike. I like those little Easter eggs when we circle back to previous characters. Yeah, yeah. Basically, the, the king wants Xena to protect Diana. And Xena is very unconvinced by the king's request because she's not into castles and she would rather be helping the, the common folk. Yep. Um, so then one of the guards comes and tells the king that the assassin has escaped. How? How? 
This is this is a person who fell out of a window of a castle <laughs> while being on fire. <laughs> Are you telling me one of the dozens of guards around the castle couldn't catch him? Like, it, the guards must be in on it. Yeah, like, also the king says, our guards are not doing well and like yeah no shit (laughs) (laughs) damn girl (laughs) correct assessment (laughs) you're not gonna do anything about this seems like this should be a concern he is gonna do something he's gonna hire xena to pose as his daughter that's what he's gonna do yeah but (laughs) it's just (laughs) it is um but then what's even weirder to me is we hear the most far-reached explanation from the king on why xena should help him he says Mm. well you're a warrior of justice right and what is more just than putting away slave owners so that is to marry prince of something something other kingdom the day after tomorrow and the in, in the kingdom of something something, they have slavery, but not in mm-hmm. whatever kingdom we're in right now. Yeah, this is the progressive kingdom. And yeah. the two kingdoms will be joined under our constitution, says the king. That's a little funny to me because like, why not just say our laws? I mean, there even was a manuscript called the Constitution of the Athenians written by Aristotle, but I, I think that's not what they mean. <laughs> But I'm sure that, like, I don't know, it, it's just the lingual that they use, but it really seems like, uh, uh, like we're scrambling, and this is and this is why, and like, slave owners, and uh, help us, Zena, please. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it didn't bother me as much as it, as it did you. Um, what did stand out to me was that It's the groom's kingdom that's getting absorbed into the bride's kingdom here and not vice Mm. versa. That's, I think, the unusual part for me. But that's kind of cool. I mean, it it did not bother me as much. It did not bother me as Beth's playwriting. Like, awkward phrasing, but like at most. It's more about... We're kind of shown this upper echelon of of people like though those are royalty and i think that they're kind of intentionally or unintentionally they're kind of shady the way they're shown which is fair but anyway this does the trick and dina agrees to stay and pose as diana while convincing the king that diana would have to go into hiding outside the castle yeah, so Xena clearly agrees with me that there is someone inside the castle working with the slavers, and so this is where the danger is. So Diana mm-hmm. needs to be sent away. That's that's very, very reasonable. Good job, Xena. Um, <laughs> so the lady-in-waiting reappears, and Xena immediately starts practicing her Paris Hilton voice on her. <laughs> And uh, the lady keeps offering her all kinds of delicacies and finally asks whether she wants akbash. And Zina's like, oh yeah, I'm famished. A few bites of akbash would be lovely. And the lady looks very confused as akbash is carried in on a pillow and it's this like cute, medium-sized black dog. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, awkward. Um, <laughs> So Zena obviously pretends that she was joking and picks up the dog. 
And the way she's holding it makes it so clear that Zena is decidedly not a dog person. I don't know whether we ever get any more Xena uh, dog interactions in, in this show. But here she's like, yeah, this is uh, my favorite pet. And she holds it like as far from her body as possible, like fully extended <laughs> arms. So then we go to Diana's dressing room where Zena and Diana are exchanging costumes. And in the process, Diana tells Zena that she never met her betrothed uh, from the land of the slavers, but uh, she's optimistic. If he's anything like his brother, that would be wonderful. And his brother Philemon has sky blue eyes and fawn colored hair. And he's brave and noble and kind. And Zena quickly picks up that there is an attraction there. Um, then Diana comes out dressed like Xena, <laughs> only she put a couple of bows on her armor and a, a like couple of bright like, red bows, bright red bows, like maybe four of them. Yeah. <laughs> and first of all, Diana was very much, um, ahead of times because I think that she kind of sensed the bow craze of 2023, 2024. You're not aware. There's a bow craze. Like, oh no! All of TikTok is obsessed with bows. Where? Uh, tell us everything. Where should we be putting our bows? Anywhere, literally anywhere. Like on your bags, okay. in your hair, on your dresses, in your on your shoelaces. Instead of shoelaces, you use ribbons. Like, I, oh. I'm surprised that you haven't seen this because it like literally is all over for like the second year now. The bows that Diana put on the armor are clearly just because she's used to dressing in much louder colors and she says like well just a little color wouldn't hurt like everything is so dark and I kind of want to play your game and say that uh when Albert says a hint of color in the birdcage uh when he's dressed in a gray suit and he has bright colored socks Maybe that's something that influenced the birdcage after they've seen it in Xena, but I'm not sure because the years are super close. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm afraid I'm afraid this wouldn't be possible. Even though I I do I do love that um, because so Xena started airing in '95, but this mm. episode specifically aired in February '96, mm. and the birdcage came out in March '96. Um, yeah, so super close. <laughs> definitely, definitely not possible. But uh, I guess hints of color were just in the air at the time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Although now that I say it, immediately after that, Zena tries to teach Diana to kind of butch it up uh, in terms of how she stands and how she holds herself, um, and that also, of course brings us back to, <laughs> to the, the birdcage bird yeah, Definitely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i'd say generally lucy lawless does a very good job being very distinctive when when playing diana as opposed to xena like it's obviously there's the the paris hilton voice but even her resting face looks different Definitely, definitely, yeah. Like we immediately can understand whether we are looking at Zena or Diana, even when the customs are changed. So yeah, mm -hmm. she she did an awesome job there. 
Um, so then Diana thanks Zena for risking her life, and she says that her trip outside the castle would be good for her. I'll be among the little people, learning about their concerns. And that does not play well with Zena, and she advises Diana not to call them little people, maybe. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, we see Diana going outside the castle uh, in Zena's costume. And she wants to find Gabrielle. And it's very funny to me how she's riding Argo with both legs to the side. I, I forgot there's a certain word for that. Like the way ladies in dresses ride horses. There's a word for that. Okay. I, don't, I, I, don't I think, I think there's a word for that. We don't know the word. It doesn't matter. But like, I think everybody <laughs> got what I'm referring to. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very elegant. Yeah. <laughs> and very impractical. Yeah, um, and then follows probably the funniest scene in the episode for me because Zena sees a shadow of a man holding something in his hands, presumably a weapon. And before the man can approach her, she hits his head on the column twice, balancing him between two walls and the man passes out. And then Zena sees that he was carrying a bouquet of flowers, which Zena immediately tears apart looking for a dagger or something. But roses turn out to be just roses. Uh, Zena looks at the man who's passed out one more time and she's like, well, I guess this is qualified as fawn-colored hair. Let's see if you have sky blue eyes. <laughs> she takes a glass of wine and just pours it on his head. And he wakes up and he's like, where are they? Where, like, are you hurt? Where are they? And Zena's like, oh, you scared them away. You're so brave. Uh, Philemon. <laughs> I love the scene. Yeah, yeah. It's I think it's extra funny because even though Xena is like definitely at, at this point uh officially straight or whatever, mm -hmm. this is so clearly like a queer woman trying to <laughs> like play up this hetero thing like oh this is what <laughs> this is what a straight girl would behave like um yeah it, it seems like she's having fun with it kind of definitely definitely look when she, when she sees him uh for the first time like when he's passed out she's like well i guess what this is what the straight girl would find attractive she's like all right let's see <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, Philemon and Zena take a walk around the castle. And guess what? You, that's what you do. You take walks. And she questions him about his brother and asks how his countrymen uh, would feel about the fact that this wedding would bring uh, the emancipation. That's the word they use of slaves. And Philemon is like, oh, well, all of us want to free slaves, of course. We would have freed them long ago if it wasn't for the ancient bylaws. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, convincing. yeah. I, I love that. It's like, oh, I mean, we are we're basically we we basically already have freed them. It's just like yeah. a couple of formalities left, you know. It it's uh it it basically already doesn't count. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um sure, sure, sure. Mm -hmm. Uh also Philemon casually mentions that oh well his brother is gonna marry 
a beautiful woman whose face and smile light a room brighter than sunlight. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah, you're clearly <laughs> so happy for your brother, dude. <laughs> and he keeps going. Like, I think this uh, at least can be stretched to just a compliment. But then he's like, yeah. And when my brother hears you play the harp, his heart would break the way my own heart did. And he would feel the way I do. Like, at this point, you're not even being remotely subtle here. You're just confessing your love to this woman. Yeah, yeah. I would assume, I would assume that that's how Diana and Philemon flirted with each other for months now. That... Yeah. was kind of their thing mm -hmm. whatever works for them <laughs> sure sure um so then another set of attackers the so then attackers. another set pterodactyls Then another set of attackers turn up in front of them. This time it's the whole set of ninjas. There's because, so many like, ninjas in Xena Warrior. <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah. why. <laughs> I wanted to say, like, ninjas turn up a lot. Philemon urges Diana, aka Xena, to stay behind him because this could get ugly. And Xena says, you have no idea, like, under her breath, like, to herself. And what follows is a hilarious scene where Xena basically fights instead of Philemon without Philemon noticing. And she uses all sorts of tricks, but mainly she is kicking the shit out of them behind his back. And that's yeah, glorious. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really, really funny. And... Uh... Every now and then, Philemon looks back to, to check on her, make sure she's all right. And she makes this dumb, innocent face like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just a silly little girl waiting for you to save me. <laughs> yeah, she, she is enjoying it. She's, she's clearly having fun, yeah. Definitely, definitely, yeah. So when they successfully scare the ninjas off, Philemon turns out to have a bloody nose and Xena says he should press down hard on it and it should stop the bleeding and she basically shows him how to do it so she touches his bloody face mm -hmm. and uh, at that point he pauses because he clearly doesn't expect her to be so casual and knowledgeable about a wound like this is the first time we see him be like oh wait hmm. what what's happening mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um yeah so then when she kind of sees this confused expression on his face she I guess reads it in a different way and she just pats him on the hand and says you are so brave like and she's not even acting here it's the most condescending you are so brave ever love it it's fantastic I really I really, <laughs> really loved it too <laughs> so meanwhile Gabrielle is standing under a tree somewhere and composing a very bad poem about Xena we're not going to retell it here, but no. it's bad. Yep. 
and some random baddie comes up to her and demands that she gives him her purse. And Gabby notices Zena, who she thinks is Zena, approaching. And she becomes very cocky with the baddie. She's like, you don't want to do this, dude. But alas, this is not Zena. So the baddie almost chokes Gabrielle. And she has to deal with the baddie herself while Diana runs away screaming for her papa. Yeah, I mean, to give Diana a little bit of credit, she she does try to help at first. Uh, She hits the guy a couple of times uh, on the back with her fist and he even lets go of of Gabriella at that point and, and turns around to face her. And that's the moment when she, you know, understandably freaks out knowing just how out of her depth she is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, she actually does act very brave for a person who never had to do anything like it in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dana gives a note, well, after Gabrielle deals with the baddie herself, very, actually, very successfully, we would say, like, she beats him with her staff and that works well. Um, so when they're safe, Diana gives a note from Zena to Gabrielle explaining that she's a princess and um, she just happens to look like Zena, but Gabby has the same skepticism of this plot point as I do. And she just laughs at the writers. I mean, Diana, and she's like, sure. They they talk for a bit, though. And as as they talk, gradually, Gabrielle understands that, no, this is actually not a test of some sort. And this person in front of her is indeed not Zena. And Diana's like, I need you to believe me because you're supposed to teach me to be convincingly like Zena. <laughs> Poor baby. And, yeah. And Gabrielle is like, okay, well, stop crying, you little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to have this reversal because so far we've almost always seen Gabrielle as the mentee and the softer, more vulnerable person. And here we see that there's quite a bit of strictness in her. Yeah, and we're going to see it a lot in the later seasons, I think. Like, she has this side of, like, to her, Mm -hmm. (laughs) cracking the whip. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, meanwhile in the castle, Zena is looking around a room, uh, clearly not in character because she thinks she's alone, but she's not alone. Philemon is watching her from a corner, hidden. And he, again, is clearly picking up that something's off, although it seems like he doesn't understand what yet. Uh, the lady-in-waiting comes in and tells Diana, aka Zena, that it's time for her to get ready and meet her fiancé since he's arriving later that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Zena has this hilarious reaction to that. She says, oh, goody. <laughs> We then cut to the lady brushing Zena's hair and counting 832, 833, 834. And for some reason, this is a moment I remember very well from my early childhood, seeing this episode for the first time. I was like, why do you need to brush your hair this many times? Why would anyone do that? And for for a bit of context, it's, I think, especially weird for me because Alice and I both have curly hair. 
and brushing is one of the worst things you can do for it. Yeah, yeah. If you want to turn out with a fluffy ball on your head, then you can yeah. brush it a lot of times. Yeah, but I remember learning a lot about straight hair routines from movies and just talking to people. And most of that does not make sense with curly hair. But I remember being a little jealous of that thousand stroke combing because it was not the first time where i saw it it's kind of like this trope in fairy tales that like princesses have their hair combed a lot and they're like this long and shiny hair and yeah <laughs> it doesn't work if you're curly no 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 anyway at that point the king walks in and xena uses that as an excuse to stop the brushing promising the lady that they would do a thousand two hundred strokes the next day to make up for it it's really cute yeah the king tells xena that at the reception there will be lots of people who would have known diana since childhood so um given that xena's impersonation skills are not quite polished uh yeah <laughs> maybe it would be better for her to i don't know pretend to be ill and skip the banquet um, but Zena protests, saying that she needs to be at the reception because she might be able to figure out who the traitor is. Yeah, yeah. She says, don't worry, I'll handle it. We're going to see how she's going to handle it. Yeah. So Zena gets to the party, walks up to Philemon and his brother, and she's like, um, now what? <laughs> and the brother is clearly waiting for something. Like they're they're both just standing in front of each other, waiting for something to happen. Um, and so Zena looks at the king, who gestures that she needs to bow, which she does. But yeah, oh my god, this is not a convincing impersonation. <laughs> no, no, it's a very clumsy bow. And but also the fact that she paused for so long and literally yeah. looked at the king who literally told her what to do. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Diana's betrothed even is complaining to his brother. He's like, yeah, she's attractive enough, but you, I remember you saying that she had impeccable manners. Like, what's up with that? And Philemon is like, uh, they were impeccable until now. So that's only exacerbated by the fact that immediately afterwards, Zina just turns around, rolls her eyes, <laughs> walks up to the king to ask about the people who are also present uh, at the reception. She notices a very richly dressed man who turns out to be the ambassador to the something something land that the brother is from. And Xena hilariously notes that he looks like a used chariot <laughs> salesman. I love that detail. It's great. It's so good. Um. The ambassador is talking to the king's general, and Zina is immediately suspicious. But the king says that they're both above reproach and have not a single evil spot on their bodies. Mm -hmm. And Zina knowingly and kind of teasingly notes that, oh, we've all got that evil spot somewhere. That sounds, that sounds even sexy when Zina says it. it. It was kind of sexy. Yeah. So everyone sits down to eat. And Zena decides to make a toast, and we can immediately see the terror in the king's eyes. Mm -hmm. Actually, she decides to make multiple toasts. The first <laughs> yeah. one is to the end of slavery in the something-something land, which gets a reasonably cheerful response. 
The second one is to the end of corruption in their kingdoms, which gets kind of a concerningly muted response. And the third one is not even a toast. He just literally says, death to traitors in our midst. (laughs) And everyone is understandably taken aback, but sort of kind of goes along out of politeness. But clearly everyone is really shocked. Yeah, yeah. I guess Zena wanted to look at people's reactions, but I would say that everyone's reaction is like, uh, what the fuck is going on? And at this point, she completely dropped the Paris Hilton voice and act and everything. We can see that the brothers are increasingly suspicious. So the groom-to-be asks Diana, aka Zena, to play something on the harp since she's Mm -hmm. such an accomplished musician Mm -hmm. and the king tries to prevent that by saying that oh no he he's very hungry and he wants to commence the feast but Mm -hmm. the brothers insist so Zina walks up to the harp and stalls as much as she possibly can she's stretching her fingers she's stretching her back but then it's go time so she touches the harp strings and they all snap like how like is Zena that strong <laughs> she just shrugs and smiles and the king says oh well the strings must have been strung too tightly is that what happens when the strings are strung too tightly like i'm so confused i don't know it's a good save though because yeah he should explain the situation in some sort of way yeah i think it's possible i've seen the strings on the harp kind of like break uh not all of them at the same time but yeah i would assume that you have to be a demigod to just like and break all of them which xena possibly is so it checks out yeah yeah so meanwhile we see the real diana who is brushing argo's tail counting 833, 834, 835. Poor Argo. That cannot be fun for her either. (laughs) No. So Gabrielle comes to Argo's rescue and Diana protests that the tail still looks flat and dull. To which Gabrielle answers that horses' tails are supposed to be flat and dull. And I'm sorry. Are we looking at the same horse here? This horse's tail is beautiful and luscious. Like, it even has this ombre situation. Goes from white to gray. It's gorgeous. What? Flat and dull, it's not. (laughs) Oh, how you defend Argo's tail. I mean, it's just, it's it's so incorrect. Like, this is a beautiful (laughs) tail. Uh, so yeah, this reminds me of the fact that in Moscow, there was a horse shampoo uh, that became really popular at some point. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, in like mid-naughties, right? Thousands, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and I think it was explained that apparently horses cannot take as much chemicals as people can. So this was like very much clean beauty as they call it now, quote unquote, like, well, mm. chemicals are bad for you, that sort of thing. Mm. But yeah, I remember a lot of people actually liking that. I never tried it because again, like on the cover, there was like this long, straight, shiny hair. I'm like, 
my hair is not gonna look like that anyway so yeah yeah i also never tried it i thought it was a bit silly but i, I mm -hmm. that, that that did happen there was there was this craze i wonder whether um it was um happening International? in europe yeah in, in the states so if you're listening in canada and australia <laughs> <laughs> and new zealand <laughs> let's do a plug here like we we have an instagram account at xena made me gay so if you know about horse shampoos being popular for humans write to us please slide into our dms so talk about horse shampoos we love that yeah. sure talk horse shampoo to us <laughs> it doesn't sound dirty although you want it to sound dirty no, it, it's, it sounds very clean, actually. <laughs> so Diana asks Gabrielle why she's throwing rags on the ground, mm -hmm. to which Gabrielle answers that it's going to be dark soon, so they should get some sleep. And Diana doesn't get it for a while, and then shock and terror shows <laughs> on her face when she does. And she then mentions that she's hungry, and Gabrielle gives her some cheese to eat. And Diana is really not loving the idea of her entire dinner consisting of just some bread and cheese. Aww. So she tells Gabrielle that she has money, so they could go to an inn and eat some real food there, but clearly that's not an option. No. And then Diana tells Gabrielle that Philemon thinks that she's a frail, delicate flower, far too fragile to eat common food and endure a night under the stars. Uh, Diana then talks about how this experience on sleeping on the ground once will make her a great queen, close to the little um, ordinary people. <laughs> sure. And of course, immediately that is put to the test because Gabrielle and Diana are approached by this thin middle-aged man, clearly um, poor, a bit, a bit dirty who's asking for some food to feed his starving family. Diana freaks out a bit when she first sees him, but hearing about the starving family protests, saying that no, nobody is starving in her, uh, in this kingdom. Mm -hmm. And the man is like, okay, as you say, and he starts leaving. Um, but Gabrielle stops him and gives him their bread and cheese. Diana then asks him about where his family is, and he tells them, it's okay, you can come out. And of course, it's this perfectly cute little family with a blonde, blue-eyed little kid that Diana immediately falls in love with. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely very postcard kind of family, I agree. Um, but also we see in Diana's eyes that there is a bit of a Buddha's awakening going on. Mm. And I think it's really nicely acted by uh, Lucy Lawless because like, she says some things about that after that, but it's not like a dialogue. Oh my God, I didn't think like there was poverty and now I know like it's all just acted out through her eyes. And I think that's that's a great choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's doing a great job, for sure. So, meanwhile in the castle, Xena walks into her room and sees Philemon there. And he throws an orange at her, 
and she easily catches it with one hand. So immediately he takes his dagger out and charges at her, yelling, what have you done to Diana? So it's kind of this um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith moment. Yeah, but also, like, I love that he's like, does he want to ask a question or does he want to kill her? <laughs> Decide, <Both>. dude. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, Xena easily disarms him and tells him that Diana is hidden away for her safety. Xena then asks Philemon about how he knew. And honestly, how could he not know? <laughs> After that toast? <laughs> oh my god. But so he says that Diana can't catch and faints at the sight of blood. So Xena introduces herself and Philemon is impressed because he clearly has heard the name. And okay, here I'm kind of with you on the doppelganger thing <laughs> because he doesn't seem to be one bit freaked out that the resemblance is so uncanny. He just accepts it and moves on. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, yeah, it's just the reality of this fairy tale that we're living in at this point. But still, people should be more impressed, I feel. Like, especially since it's not the from far away, they look alike, you know, like Putin's dupes. But like when you look closely, it's like not the case. I assume. <laughs> but yeah, here it's just like he's been walking and talking to her and she just looks exactly like Diana, but oh well. Yeah. Zena asks Philemon about how long he's been in love with Diana, and of course he says that he fell in love the first moment he laid eyes on her. Boring. It's a very straight story. Yeah. yeah he also describes her in a very funny way he's like and her face is the sun itself and her voice is a siren song and we've heard her voice and it's like oh hi daddy <laughs> <laughs> sure dude uh, yeah <laughs> so Meanwhile, we see some dude walk up to Diana's balcony with a Molotov's cocktail in his hand. He lights it, throws it into the balcony, and nothing happens. Mm -hmm. The dude is confused. And then we see that Xena literally caught it, and she just throws it back at the guy who immediately is lit on fire. That's next level of badassery. But two things are funny here. When... Zena catches it, Philemon asks, oh, um, how does it work? And she says, like this, and throws it, uh, throws it out of the window to, to the dude. But the other thing that's funny, the dude with the Molotov's cocktail is clearly the one, the one who has the burns on his forehead. So it's the first dude that tried to attack Zena already, got no. burned, and now he got burned twice. No! So, so talk about him not getting paid enough for this. Oh, poor thing. So Xena jumps from the balcony, dunks the dude into the fountain until he's no longer on fire, and uses her favorite enhanced interrogation technique of the five-finger death punch to force the dude to tell her who it was that hired him to kill the princess. And we find out it was the general. So Xena, the king, and Philemon all go to the general's room to confront him. 
and the ambassador also joins them on the way. So they all open the door to the general's room and we see him hanging by the neck, dead, in the middle of the room. Mm. And the ambassador is like, oh no, he couldn't bear the weight of being the traitor. Uh And it's so clear that he's the real villain at that point, at least to us and seemingly to Xena. Definitely. Um, And the king announces that, well, the leader of the conspiracy is dead. There's no more danger for my daughter. So let's do the wedding. Everything is cool now. Yeah. And he also outs Xena as being Xena to the ambassador. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ambassador is like, this explains a lot. Um, yeah. And you can see Xena being really suspicious of him. Mm-hmm. And Philemon is like, Okay, so Diana will marry my brother. That's sad, but she's rightfully his. And Xena's like, Diana belongs to herself, you fucking moron. <laughs> and walks away. Yeah. Meanwhile, Xena, aka Diana, has bought the poor family a proper meal. Uh, assuming We're assuming from that inn that she mentioned. And um, is telling them about how the corruption that prevents them from getting welfare will stop. She knows the king. She'll make it stop. One of the kids then asks her about the chakram and asks to demonstrate how it's used. And miraculously, nobody dies as a result of that de- demonstration. <laughs> yeah, but it was a very close call because, first yes. of all, Zina calls chakram her round killing thingy. And then Gabby <laughs> corrects her and says chakram. And Zina says, bless you. <laughs> Which, love the writing of this episode. And then Zeno throws the chakram and literally everyone, so the family, Diana and Gabby, Argo and the king who came to fetch his daughter have to duck in order to avoid their heads being cut off. But the kid is excited at the end of that and she says, oh, nice shot. (laughs) So back at the castle, uh, Zena aka Diana is explaining how they're actual poor people in their kingdom. Who knew? Wow. Wow. (laughs) Then she meets Diana, aka Xena, and uh, says that she was right. Those people aren't little at all. She she also sees Philemon, uh, but both of them behave very properly. They they don't uh, betray their feelings in, in any significant way. And Zena tells Gabrielle that they're leaving as soon as she gets her stuff back. Mm-hmm. Gabrielle then looks at Zena's boobs in the dress with the decolletage and says, hmm, I like it. <laughs> but Zena is not impressed. Um, she won't be a lipstick lesbian, even for Gabby. <laughs> no, no. But the camera pans up to the castle wall after Zena says that they're leaving where the ambassador is standing so he he hears that conversation and he villain explains to some <laughs> soldier that now with Xena out of the way killing Diana will be easy in case we didn't know that he's a villain but we already knew yeah we then see Philemon and his brother do the dynamic Sorkin style walk and talk and Philemon asks his brother about whether he thinks he can love Diana and the brother is very chill about it, like, eh, I don't know, we'll see, I guess. Um, which, to me, seems like a fair attitude towards an arranged marriage. Like, what else should he say? 
Yeah, that's true. I think when I watched for the first time, I definitely liked the older brother more just because of how chill he is. We don't know much about him and some of his reactions are not good, but out of the two, I definitely prefer him to Philemon, who's just goofy. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> a, a couple of guards then walk past them with a chair that they say they borrowed from another room to cut down the general. Mm -hmm. And Philemon immediately realizes that this means the general was murdered. He couldn't have killed himself by hanging if he had nothing to stand on. Mm -hmm. And runs to Diana, who tells him to go get Xena. Mm -hmm. And as the wedding is being prepared, the ambassador further villain-splains <laughs> that the plan is to kill two birds with one stone. And we see that the plan is to drop a chandelier on top of both Diana and the groom. How very Phantom of the Opera of them. <laughs> so we then see the ceremony, and during it, someone cuts the rope holding the chandelier up, but surprise, it's not Diana, it's Xena dressed as Diana. So she pushes the groom out of the way and kicks the asses of the ninja attackers that also run into the room again as soon as the <laughs> chandelier thing doesn't work out. Yeah, and Zena also tears away half of her wedding dress, fashioning it into a mini skirt in order to fight better. And the groom hilariously exclaims, watching Zena fight, this is who I'm marrying? Yeah, yeah. Um, then, in a very badass move, Zena fires four arrows at the same time from the harp. So she just uh, puts all four into the harp and... and fires them all at the ambassador and thus pins the ambassador to the wall <laughs> that was great um, yeah except that those must be some really soft walls if that's <laughs> possible but anyway uh hilariously after that the groom walks up to the king and is like i know this is not the best time but i am not marrying this woman <laughs> you wish bro <laughs> yeah yeah and even xena makes the most delightful face at him making it so clear that at no point was that even remotely an option <laughs> yeah we then see diana dressed as xena ride with philemon towards the castle and she stops him to ask whether he's told diana that he loves her and he's like, you really want to talk about that now? Her life is in danger. <laughs> and she's like, nope, it's happening. So Philemon admits that he didn't tell her because he doesn't think she loves him back. And at this point, Diana breaks the character and is like, that's not true. I do. And they kiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really love the immediate switch to Paris Hilton voice because at that point, at the second switch, both Diana and Zena are doing a better job at playing each other. Yeah. But this time she's like, no, and that's not true. I do. <laughs> oh, that, that's very good. That's very good. You have a, a, a better Paris Hilton voice than I do. <laughs> um, we then see a celebration at the castle with Zena and Gabrielle watching from the castle wall. And Gabrielle says that she hopes that she finds someone who makes her smile like that. And Zena answers that She's sure Gabrielle will someday. Mm -hmm. And Gabrielle smiles like that. Mm -hmm. um, then Gabrielle looks at Diana. <laughs> and 
a literal Xena doppelganger mm-hmm. sighs and says, She's so beautiful. Aww. <laughs> oh, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of obvious who she wanted to say it to. But anyway, there is also some funny dialogue happening in this scene. Um, apart from all the romantic stuff, Xena and Gabby exchange funny bits like, Look how her hair shines. Well, it sure has been brushed enough. Wait till you see Argo's tail. (laughs) Also, Xena says that she didn't enjoy living the life of the rich person one bit, but then she immediately snags a tray of little delicacies that uh, she used to have for dessert every evening, posing as Diana, and she urges Gabby to try one, and she's just like, om nom nom, (laughs) she's gonna eat the whole tray. (laughs) Just quite cute. We don't often see... It is quite cute. Zena like that, enjoying That's life. True. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the that's how the episode ends. Mm-hmm. Um, with with Zena enjoying yummy, uh, rich people's delicacies. So there's a uh, a bit of the fun credits at the end here, and they say neither Zena not her remarkably coincidental identical twin Diana were harmed during the production of this motion picture. Well, at least they're self-aware about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think generally Xena Warrior Princess of the show has been pretty good about being self-aware. That's true, that's true, definitely. It is the 90s, after all. <laughs> the, the decade of self-awareness. <laughs> um, so... What was the gayest moment of the episode for you? Huh. Mm. I think that first I wanted to say one of the bits in the end uh, with Gabrielle and Zena kind of like going back and forth between like, oh, you're so beautiful, as you say, and like she literally means Zena. But I think for me, it was the subtle moment where uh, they're sitting together, Diana dressed as Zena and Gabrielle, and Gabrielle kind of chuckles. She has this laugh. And Diana's like, what? And Gabrielle is like, you may look like her, but you're a completely different person. And I think that it's this realization of like, yeah, this person has the same face, the same eyes, everything. But this is not a person I love. For me, it was that. Aww. <laughs> that's, that's very sweet. I'm going to go with a shallow answer. Gabrielle looking at Diana and being like, oh, she's so beautiful. (laughs) Because I was this person um, before before I knew that uh, that I was gay. (laughs) (laughs) That's also fair and valid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how many chakrams out of 10 would you give this episode? 10. Wow. It's our first 10. <laughs> yeah, I would say. No, That's it's amazing. Second, it's the second one, no? No? It is the first. The first one. I would say 10. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm looking through. I have a spreadsheet, everyone. Okay, okay. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm looking through our, the spreadsheet where I track all of the chakrams that we've given out. And this is our first 10 ever from me or from you. Huh. Interesting. I thought that the Amazon episode got a 10 also, no? Ah, okay, okay. Uh, but uh, do you agree? Is it also a 10 from you? Mm, I was going to do another 9. 
huh, okay, okay, that's fair. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I also was a little hesitant because there definitely are episodes that I love more than this. Mm-hmm, and I think in mm-hmm. terms of like campiness and like going out there, there are bigger episodes. But I think that like, I don't have anything to fault it. Like I, I just feel that it's a 10. <laughs> no, that's, that's very fair. And like, I think I feel better giving it a nine knowing that you gave it a 10. Um, explain. <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like then the episode kind of averages out at 9.5. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. I feel good about that. Mm-hmm. I think were you not giving it a 10, I w- would have considered it, considered giving it a 10 more strongly, you know, mm-hmm. but knowing that you already did, I'm like, okay, this, this episode got the credit it deserves and mm-hmm. I can be a little more nitpicky and, you know, knock off, uh, one just because, you know, I, I know that there are episodes that I love a bit more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I would say that maybe at some points I would have to give 11s. <laughs> But we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see if I allow that to happen. <laughs> All right. Um, All right. Anyway, this was fun. Yeah, yeah. Either way, a really great, great episode. And hopefully <laughs> that's something mm-hmm. we'll be able to say about the next episode, mm-hmm. which is called mortal beloved Ooh, i don't think so <laughs> no neither do i <laughs> it doesn't bode well on the other hand it might be more fun when we hate on stuff so tune in in two weeks to hear us hate on the episode how is it called mortal beloved we don't know that we're gonna hate it yet maybe maybe you already know i don't know yet okay okay fair all right. Um, and as we mentioned in the middle of the episode, uh, we do have an Instagram account at uh, Xena Made Me Gay. So do give us a follow, comment, message us. We really are uh, looking forward to your feedback and yes. um, whether or not you've used uh, horse hair shampoo. <laughs> That's the most important thing. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.